Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual, but we are coming to you a day late because of all the developments around European rugby. But how's your week been, guys? Jim, how are you, son? You, you don't sound pumped. You, I need some energy from you. What have you I've up not, to? I've not, I've not said anything yet. How do you know if I'm pumped <laughs> or not? I'm just looking at you, mate. I'm sorry. I've got my Manscaped t-shirt on. It's a little bit big. Maybe that's why it's looking as if um, the energy's low and the coat hangers has been put in instead of my shoulders. Um, mate, all good. All good. I was at a game on Friday night. It could have been Saturday. It could have been Sunday. All the days roll into one. But anyway, it was hashtag always Edinburgh versus hashtag warriors we are warriors nation glasgow all good to go albeit very cold i delivered to the millions the insight the knowledge that basically tim groves the producer produced on the notes which he does as well i just regurgitated that thought i'd smashed it game called off not that it's about me but the game was called off it was minus seven degrees so that was a bit of drama um, spiked up the adrenaline. So that happened on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. I don't know what day it was. Why, why, why was it called off? Because it was minus seven, Andrew. It got called off because it was too cold, is what you're saying? Frozen pitch. But I thought it was plastic. Did you know that... I mean, this is as exciting as life gets at the minute. Did you know that you can grit, you can salt an artificial pitch? Did you know that or not? I didn't know that, James. You are the root of all knowledge, aren't you? I'm the oracle. I didn't realise a 4G pitch could get frozen. Well, it did. It was minus seven. I don't know whether it's seen temperatures like that or it expected temperatures like that or if it even has a brain or a heart. But either way, it was canned at lastminute.com. But they got a real treat, the viewers. They got the game replayed from the week before, oh. which was the nil-nil classic up to six, <laughs> 60 minutes. <laughs> but it's not, all doom, it's not all doom and gloom because it's been rescheduled because... Something else has happened, but we can get onto that. Did you not just breathe all over the pitch with your absolutely atrocious breath? It would have defrosted it in about a second. My mouth was that dry. <laughs> My mouth was that dry that genuinely I would have struggled to even drink a glass of water. It was literally like I was had cardboard for teeth. Um, but in other news, JJ's birthday at the weekend. Happy birthday, JJ. The Big Ten. He's out the boot. He's been doing some rehab. Big party? No. <laughs> no what'd you buy a 10 year old you asked me what'd you buy a 10 year old so we've done a deal with him we've done a deal with the devil we've taken away his nintendo switch because like everyone in lockdown who's got kids our kids are on screens too much right so this is the big debate which is always the debate not even lockdown but how easy is it just to give them the ipad and say right get on youtube watch whatever you want Twins, get on Peppa Pig, like the most annoying thing, here's some headphones and you can just sit and watch daytime TV. So we ain't doing that. So with JJ, because he started to be a bit naughty, not naughty, he was, he's, he's a nine-year-old lad, he was a nine-year-old lad, is we basically did a deal with him that if we get rid of the Switch, he can have something that he's been asking for for a while, which is a bearded dragon. So for all you reptile lovers and animal um fascinated people out there, whatever you want to call What do you call people that are into animals? Zooists. Uh, Animalists. Animal lovers. Animal lovers. All you animal lovers out there, you'll know what a bearded dragon is. So I'm like, yeah, well, here's the deal. Give me a switch. We'll sell that on eBay for 100 quid. £1,000 if it's got that bloody flappy feature game on there that's worth that much. I'll get you it. I'll get you a bearded dragon for your birthday. Happy birthday. 10th birthday. So we've got it. Lovely little thing. Beck put the tank uh, the tank up that it lives in. 
all flat packs. She sorted that. I just went and got the bearded dragon. Did you know that they grow as long as your arm and live to 15? Uh, I do now. You've told me, Jim. Again, you're the oracle. Matt, I am the oracle. At what point when he gets to 20 and if he has a girlfriend or a boyfriend at that time, is he thinking he's moving into his new flat with a bearded dragon lizard that's the size of your arm? (laughs) Who's looking after that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me the animal lover that is the commitment that a kid has to adhere to if he wants a, a pet so my excitement levels has got to the point where i'm just in front of his tank looking at rex original name looking at rex through the tank for about an hour and then i leave his room and then i go downstairs go on my phone and then i walk back up the stairs and then down the stairs because you can't do anything what do you feed the dragon live mice or anything or well, I don't know if you can say this because of the rabbit gate that basically propelled the podcast to where it is now. You feed it live grasshoppers. That's quite interesting as well. Really? £10 a week to feed the bearded dragon that is the size of a hamster now, but will grow to the size of, I'm looking at the arms, Goody's arm. So we've dug ourselves a bit of a hole, but JJ is no longer on the screen. He's 10 and he's got a bearded dragon called Rex. So it's like a zoo in our house. We've got the dog, Odie. We've got the hamster, Tiny. And now we've got Rexosaurus or whatever his name is. So that's as exciting <laughs> as my week has got. Very nice, Jim. Very nice. Andrew? Well, I had a bit of a uh, a bit of an issue on Saturday. So all you can do, right, is go for a walk with the kids in a park. You can't literally, there's nothing else to do. So when the nanny's here, it's great because she takes them out for the day. I get them with my daytime job and do a load of work but i find myself pacing around the house a lot just looking out the window staring are you sweating are you sweating when you're pacing well yeah i am because the missus has it on about 25 degrees tell global warming that but um it's like anything i had this debate with the other day i reckon every bloke that i know has this sort of debate with their missus the missus wants the house like a sauna and the bloke's trying to open the windows because you're sweating and she sits there 25 degree heat on the uh, underfloor heating and the central heating, all this stuff. I'm sat there sweating, and she sat there in a bloody dressing gown. Who wears a dressing gown in 2020 or 2021? But then, so I reckon every you have that. Do you have that debate with your missus around how hot the house is or not? Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, I sleep with the window open, starkers and bush everywhere. As I, could you imagine the sight? Toes are literally <laughs> toenails ain't been clipped for about six months because my back's that fucked that I can't clip them and no one will clip them for me. How lovely. Uh, but yeah, so Saturday we took the twins out for a walk because that's all you can do. And I was at a park, Windsor Great Park, not far from us. Stayed local, obviously. Uh, and I'm walking along and I've got the twins, uh, their scooters that they had for their birthday absolute nightmare so as soon as one goes in front of the other the other one's screaming oh daddy daddy bella stop she's in front of me and i'm just trying to play it. there's loads of people walking around and i'm just getting you know the rage just grows inside you when you oh, no. scre- oh i know just screaming for no reason <laughs> and as i'm walking along i can see these three lads that look like brothers to be fair and they were like goody love the pod our bigs jim's bush this is in the middle of windsor park why are they so rude oh exactly i'm walking with the missus and the twins and the twins are fighting. And as they've said it, I'll just give them a little nod, a little wave. And Isabella is like, right, Olivia, I'm going to bite you. And starts running after her. And we're in public. People are looking at me as a dad. What do you do? Just shout at them. That's what everyone else <laughs> is doing now. So everyone's just looking at you. Your kids are screaming. One's trying to bite the other one because she's gone too far in front of the other one on the scooter. And that's as exciting as life gets. But one bloke did ask me how big Jim's bush. And I said, it's absolutely horrific at the minute. It's gone. It, it's grown no, out his no, t-shirt. It, it's gone. It is gone. It is literally 
I don't know why you say to the bone, but to the bone, but with a layer of skin, it's gone. <laughs> there we go. So to the lads asking the question, there's your answer. Well, Manscaped are supporting us again this year. So make sure you're set up for 2021 with the right tools for the job. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for their below-the-waist grooming with their Perfect Package 3.0. It comes with the Lawnmower 3.0 with its waterproof and skin-safe trimmer, which reduces nicks to your two best friends, as well as the Crop Preserve Bull deodorant and moisturizer, and the shed travel bag, and the manscaped anti chafing boxer briefs. Have you tried those, Goody? Do not eat them. I have. Do not eat them. But it's funnily enough you say that because I haven't told anyone this really yet. Jim knows about it, but I'm going for an operation on Friday on my ankle, basically having it repinned and plated and straightened out again. Pretty big operation off the back of being overweight for 18 years playing professional rugby. Now, I had to get the old manscaped out last night and I was just chatting to, I was just chatting to the missus and she's like, what are you going to do next week when you've had your operation? Because I'll be in bed for four or five days, leg up, absolutely fucked, won't be able to move. And I said, well, Carolyn, you'll be able to give me a bed bath, won't you? She's like, no, absolutely no chance am I going anywhere near you. I said, what do you mean? You're my good lady. You you have to look after me. Just Where's me the dressing bed. gown? Just give, just give me a bed bath. She's like, no, my mom's coming over. She can do it. And I'm like, oh no, got into my head that, that actually could happen. So I uh, got my manscaped out and I've given it a full trim. What, for Carolyn's mum to come over and not, give you a bath? No, no, not or for your Carolyn's mum. mum. Not for Carolyn's mum. Because effectively, I started thinking about it and I started thinking, if I go into surgery and you go in with those gowns on, imagine if you've got a bit of a bush and you're selling manscaped as an amazing product on our podcast and the, the nurse, because you don't wear any pants underneath, do you? You just let it all hang out and they just, maybe the gown just blows open. You don't want to be seen there in the middle of a hospital. No, it's false, it's false advertising, mate. <laughs> exactly. So he's had a full trim downstairs. And um, yeah, like you, Jim, there is not a hair in sight. Do you not think it's weird that our elders, like if I showed my parents the Manscaped weapon or the tool of choice, <laughs> they would think that we are absolutely mental. Different generations, James. It's, it's, gener- it's a generation game. That's what it is. Goody, do you get asked to go full nude under the gown when you go on the operating table, or, or do you just do that by choice? Because it's for your ankle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just by choice. They give you those pants, don't they? They give you those horrible pants that are basically like a, a piece of cloth. Uh, not even a piece of cloth. It's like a piece of... What are the pants, Jim? They're like a, a netting, like a mesh. Yeah. Horrific. So I'd rather just especially let it all- especially if you've got a bush as well because all the little holes it like all it just pops up, it just pops through the, the meshing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'd rather just go let it all hang out and as you know it's clean as a whistle. You never know. The doctor might have a look. I know he listens to the podcast, so hope he doesn't have a look. That would be beyond the patient and client boundaries. But and take a picture as well. We had this joke with Richie Gray once. I don't know whether we can say it, but we probably can. But he went in for a surgical operation, basically. His something was too long on his something, so they had to chop that something off, put it in a jar. Let's just say it was tonsils, but tonsils of the, n- not the tonsils that we think. And we kept joking that in his prime, he was really famous, that the doctor who did that and who took off his tonsil bit, the thing that, just pretend what they're called tonsils, that bit, they had them in a jar and they're going to sell them on eBay if he made it to the levels that Marutoji has. But he hasn't made it to the levels of Marutoji because he, d- he didn't want to be that famous. But someone has got Richie Gray's for uh, t- tonsils in a jar. 
<laughs> what is it with you Scottish people and long foreskins? Who's got a long foreskin? You. It's only me. Only me. <laughs> only me. Richie's got no tonsils, mate. Well, Goody's going into the operating theatre looking clean, but you can come out of quarantine looking clean thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code rugbypod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code rugbypod at manscaped.com. Your bulls will thank you. Well, we can chat about the Premiership action shortly, but the Champions and Challenge Cups have been suspended after the French government weren't happy with the top 14 clubs taking part. Is this the right outcome, do you think, boys? Can you believe it that the French, of all people, have come to the fore and said, no, 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 we not do. What do you mean? You've had fans in the stadiums. You've been almost sold out in some of the games that I've seen, and then all of a sudden... They've put the foot down. It shows, Goody, do you not think? It shows the power that the French Rugby Federation and the leagues have. Do you not think? I know there's a lot of other stuff to maybe throw into the mixer in terms of how everything's structured and finances, but they are their own kind of entity, if you like. But they've got a lot of power, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And I suppose, um, you know, the English clubs have as well uh, in that respect because they are an individual league. Um, so it's very much the clubs as opposed to the unions that are in charge. Now, for me, it's been it's taken too long to come to this decision. You know, I was chatting to uh, a director of rugby in the Premiership yesterday, and he's like, "How do you prepare a, a squad on a Sunday, on a Monday, to understand what's going to go ahead the following weekend, whether it be a Premiership game, a Champions Cup game, when you just don't know anything?" So, yeah, I mean, am I? Surprised it's happened. Do I think it's the right outcome? I 100% believe it is the right outcome uh, under the current circumstances of you know the situation of the pandemic across the whole of Europe. You, know, you look at the figures that are coming out, it's horrific um, what you're seeing. So in terms of, as Jim said, I commentated on the game back end of last season, Toulon against Leicester Tigers in the Challenge Cup quarterfinal, I think it was, or semi-final. And it was down at Toulon and there was 10,000 people in the stadium when there was only supposed to be 1,000. So It looks like 10,000. Let's just get it made because we're that big now that we could get sued or you could get sued for saying that. But, you know, so for them to come out and say uh, we're not happy with cross-border matches and stuff, it's interesting because what they've said is up until the end of January. Smart. The Smart. French government and the FFR, the French Rugby Federation, have obviously been in cahoots and said, fuck the club game, we still need the Six Nations to go ahead. And so they're going to obviously review it and look to make it slightly different around the Six Nations because the Six Nations is effectively in three weeks' time, isn't it, the first game? Um, And that's obviously cross-border competition for France. Um, And is it the right decision? Yes, I think it is. I wrote a column uh, for Rugby Pass on it just saying that actually it makes sense. Just focus purely on your domestic league at the minute um, within the restrictions that we're all living under because we are on a lockdown. If you think of where the game was back in March, April, in terms of the pandemic situation, we're supposedly, figures-wise and cases and deaths and everything, we're in a way worse position than we were back then. And rugby was canned at the time, wasn't it? It was postponed completely. So it makes a huge amount of sense to put that on hold. Um, There's then loads of questions around what should the English clubs do over the next few weeks? Should the season carry on the same? There's loads of moving parts in this jigsaw um, around, you know, trying to move premiership games, but then to free up some weekends further down the track for the Champions Cup games and the Challenge Cup games to then be played. You've got to get buy-in from absolutely everyone. If one person at a premiership club says, we don't think it's the right decision 
to play premiership games this weekend where the European games have been cancelled. You can't play them because you can't take the risk. So, you know, it's all very well singing from the rooftop saying we should just move everything. But I think the right decision has come. It, obviously, there's financial ramifications around it. You look further down the line, where are they going to squeeze these games in if they aren't cancelling it, if they're just postponing it? Well, you can't see a free weekend and that might mean a midweek game here or there. But that's the decision for the clubs to take further down the line to see where the players are at. Because at the minute, obviously, the pandemic is at its most serious point. And, you know, you have to respect that and understand that it's a good decision, I think, to to postpone these games. Goody, you touched on it. The Pro 14 um, have brought forward Glasgow, Edinburgh, Munster, Leinster. Um, the top 14 have uh, brought forward some games as well and arranged them for this weekend. Do you think the Premiership could have done that? Because there have been calls for that to happen, haven't they? They could have, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, I think Pat Lamb said it. Rob Baxter said it. Lee Blackett said it. Three of the top directors of rugby head coaches, call them what you will, in the Premiership at the minute in terms of the league table, have said they want to carry on. And rearranging it is fine. But then if you've got one club that doesn't want to do it because they've been, you know, they've got worries or they've got, you know, coronavirus in the camp at the minute potentially or who knows, you, it's got to be a one-in-all-in decision. Um, and if they couldn't get, if Premiership Rugby couldn't get everyone to agree it in a day because of the delay from the French side, um, then you can't just lob some games in. You know, people are talking about, what about all the cancelled games? Let's put them back in. Well, those points have already been distributed. The, the club's already signed up for what the parameters were around those points. And we talked about it last week, whether we think it's right or not. It doesn't matter. The clubs have signed up for it and agreed to that on the basis of that is what's going to happen this year. Um, and there's no change around it. So do I think they could have played? Yes, I do. But on the other side, I think if one club, you know, one doctor, one physio or anyone thought there was a risk of it, bearing in mind the current circumstances, and if you can't get full committal from every club you just can't do it so it's a difficult decision you know we may look further down the track and say actually it was a good idea to have you know a two-week block where the players got some rest uh, and it might be a good decision but I think for the here and now unless everyone's on board with it it's no good just Pat Lamb and and uh, Lee Blackett and Rob Baxter shouting about it from the rooftops that they could and should have done it it has to be a buy-in from everyone and I, I believe that that wasn't the case yeah you don't envy the powers that be who are trying to organise everything, like Goody said, like the lastminute.com and everything that goes around trying to structure everything together and keep everyone happy. The reason why people are talking for the games to be played, for the Prem games to be replayed, is because the season's already jammed every week. So when the Six Nations comes around, there's going to be Premiership games then, obviously. So if you're a top club and you've got internationals in your team, if they play in these two weeks then they've obviously got their internationals playing in these two weeks, which they would have done if they were Europe. So that's why they're pushing for it because I've, I've read some things that some people are saying, give the players two weeks off, they need, they need a break. But for the clubs, you want your best players on the pitch. Come the Six Nations, some clubs are going to be worse hit than others. You know, if, they, if, if players are playing for England, we're talking about the Premiership, obviously. So the team with the most England players are going to suffer massively during that time. So I, I genuinely do, do not envy... The powers that be as I'm looking at Rex, the bearded dragon in the cage, not worried about a dicky bird, that these people are trying to put everything together. It's um, it's a shit show at the minute. I'm actually surprised we've got anything, like Goody said at the beginning. You look at the state that we're in as a country, you can't leave your house. I'm jealous for the teams that are playing. You know, There's a, a, an air of normality to being in a team sport. So... 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's just week to week, isn't it, as it were. But it's crazy to think the Six Nations is around the corner. Yeah, one, one of the funny things, though, I did see a headline today um, that a certain Chris Ashton said that clubs don't want a two-week break. Um, well, Ashley's been on a two-week break because he got dropped by Guzzi for Harlequins after his performance against Racing. So, how bad? I, I don't know whether he thought he was going to get back in the team this week or what. He needs a club. Uh, he needs a club. That's why. Worcester Warriors, I think. That's the rumor. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ashley said the clubs want to carry on, but he can't get in the team. So, there we go. Jim, you touched on the Six Nations, and it looks like the CVC deal to invest three hundred sixty-five million quid for. 14.5% of that competition over five years is finally done. But do you think that will go ahead in uh, February and March as usual? Bernard Laporte seems to be confident that it will. Well, there's a couple of things that you've spoken about then. One that I'm not hugely interested in. Goody has a lot more interest in the commercial part of the game. He's obviously well read on, the, on them parts. Obviously, we know that CVC are coming in. It's going to be beneficial, arguably, for the game because of the money. The one thing around CVC that's come out this week is the talk of where the games are going to be in 2022, the Six Nations. Are they going to be on terrestrial TV? There's a lot of talk that's going to be behind a paywall. That's probably a conversation for another time. But everything we're hearing around the Six Nations is that it's on. So I'm doing the England-Scotland game uh, for ITV. Normally with the broadcasters, they hear quite early and you start to hear rumours and rumblings. My job at Rugby Pass as well. Everything seems that the Six Nations is going to go ahead. The issue comes around the Six Nations is what we saw in the Autumn Nations Cup. Now, it didn't affect that tournament hugely. No disrespect to Fiji, but they had a COVID outbreak and missed all the tournament bar one, the game against Georgia at the end. So, Lo and behold, that happens, and fingers crossed it doesn't, but all it takes, and we've seen how rife it is in France, obviously in England at the minute, everything points to the probability that, that you know there could be games that are cancelled, and determining the outcome of that tournament might not come down to every game that's been played and, and, and who wins and who loses. It might come down to games being cancelled and postponed. But I think for the, for the health of the game, the Six Nations needs to go ahead. Obviously, it's very sad that there's going to be no fans. Couldn't you just get all the over-80s that have been vaccinated and give them tickets to the games, fill the stadiums? Yeah, apart from all the youngsters, do you know who would hate that? Who? Manscaped. Absolutely raging. So if they were trying to get involved in rugby and they're thinking, right, we're going to target the Six Nations, we're going to advertise the life out of it, all the advertising boards, promos come up, Jim and Goody on the pitch to showcase what it can deliver. (laughs) And everyone there, everyone there is over 80 years old, bush on bush, armpit hair to toe hair. And they are like, what is going on here? But the game of rugby could be good. I mean, it could be a new market for them though. Could be a whole new market for them. Well, it's a big, it's a big market. It's a big market. <laughs> Should we talk about the Premiership? Yeah, let's let's talk about it. What about the game at the Rick Goody to start the weekend? Oh, I mean, uh, touch, touch. Yeah, that's, some, harsh. that's harsh, isn't it? By saying that, but it's, it, it, it wasn't. It, it is a bit harsh, um, but it was a game that, to a neutral fan, you know, even to a Bath fan who lost, you know, a Wasp fan, it was great to watch it because, you know, there's been a lot of negativity. I've said it myself around. You know, how the game has been played at times and um yeah these boys there was mistakes there was turnovers there was excitement from both teams and you could look at it and just go either team could score at any point and that was what was pretty exciting you got eddie jones in the stand watching it going mate just fucking kick it mate why is no one fucking kicking it is he watching um, it on his phone or not 
Well, he was there, but he was interested. He was there. He's on his phone the whole time. Every time the camera pings, I, I say that, I, I maybe saw it once, but let's just say every time <laughs> the camera went up, he's on his phone. Yeah, what I found interesting, though, he's there on England duty, obviously, as England head coach. He was wearing an Under Armour jacket. Oh, no, he weren't. Yeah, and they've got a deal with Umbra, haven't they? So, oh, uh, brand clash, whatever yeah, you call it. Not, not great, Eddie. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was a, a very cold night. I think these players have, you know, we're going to see, and I said it earlier on in the season, we're going to see, due to the different way the game's been played at the minute, with no fans, with, you know, back-to-back rugby week after week after week, you're going to see some anomalies in in results and potential matches but that was a game where you know the flip opposite of what Jim commentated on last week which was nil nil after 65 minutes or whatever it was it was genuinely quite a good game and the bottom line is the mighty wasps got five points and um yeah we're just right up near the top of the table eh Jim fair play one player I want to point out from that game who I heard is going to Montpellier Zach Mercer friend of the show I can't believe they're letting him go well, well, I mean, I say letting them go. We don't know what's happening around it. Freddie Burns mentioned something when he when he was on a few weeks ago. Every time he plays, he's one of the top five players on the pitch. Twenty three yeah. years old. I think, he, I, and again, the England back row is very congested. I can see why he potentially isn't playing for England at the minute because of the quality that's in front of him. But if you're Bath, how are you letting him go to Montpellier? Maybe thirty thousand reasons a month why, but. Yeah, it'll be a big loss if if that's true. Yeah, that's the only reason you can think really, because at that age, um, you know, maybe he looks at the England pathway and it's completely blocked because of the quality. Maybe it's a conversation he's had with Eddie Jones. Just go away, get a few years experience somewhere else. You know, we're, we're, we are well stocked England in the back row at the minute. The big thing is he can't now play for Scotland, but do you reckon he regrets it at all? Does he regret it? I'm just thinking. I don't think he would say he would, he, he does regret it, but he could have played for Scotland, right? As well. He would have been a 50-plus cap player. How good would he be for Scotland? He'd be brilliant. He yeah. really would. He really would. So hindsight's a great thing, Andrew. It is. Hindsight's a great thing. Do you think that guy would have eaten the bat or not, in hindsight? Whoever it was. Whoever ate the bat in Wuhan. Do you think he would have ate it in hindsight? No, I, don't, I, don't think, no. I don't think so. No, no. I don't either. No. Unless, unless he had a huge amount of shares in... Pfizer or anyone else that's making this or vaccine. hand sanitizer. My hands are so dry, it's beyond belief, but they're sanitized, which is the main thing. Well, Newcastle went to the top briefly after their win over Gloucester. How good of a job is Dean Richards doing there, boys? I can't believe how good your old club are, Andrew. Yeah, and again, I'm going to say Andrew saved them. Oh, they thanks, would, Jim. They, they wouldn't, be, well, he says they wouldn't be in this position now. Well, they've been I, relegated I, I, since then. Well, they've rebuilt. They've rebuilt. That's all. Uh, I love Newcastle. Uh, Tough team, always to play against. Tough place to go and play. Littered with good people. And there's been a demise in the northern parts of England's rugby. Newcastle being relegated. Leeds, Tykes, Rhinos, Hippos, whatever they're called. No longer Carnegie. Carnegie, that's the one I was looking for. That's another animal. And obviously Sale not being that great. I think it's brilliant now that Sale have invested in their squad and that Newcastle are flying big fellas. It's interesting, isn't it? So obviously um, you go back and rewind a couple of years. Um, They had a really good season a couple of years ago, didn't they, where they finished in the top four, uh, got to the semi-finals. Uh, I think they played extra in the semi-final and lost. Uh, A year later, they get relegated. So they've gone down again and come back up and they've obviously learned from, you know, having a really successful year one year and then the next year, 
getting relegated. They've gone and, and got rid of a, a few of the older guard in the squad. A lot of y- youngsters in that team. You look at the team sheet, there's no massive stars in there. Mark Wilson is a star. He's a quality operator. Toby Flood's got a, a decent pedigree behind him as well. But you look across the rest of the team, you've got absolute grafters in there that are working ridiculously hard for Dino. Dave Walder, the coach as well. Gary Graham's on fire. He is on fire. So, you know, they've obviously, you, you talk to Dino, you listen to Dino, he's talking about team spirit, togetherness. Um, and, you know, that, that's epitomised at the minute with the situation we find ourselves in. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to see the tune up near the top, going well. And probably it's all because I saved them about, that's about 14 years ago now, I think I played for Newcastle. It's that long. Well, you guys mentioned him and uh, the Falcons' main man from the season, back grower Gary Graham, joins us now. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. How are you? Gary, we're very good, mate. Quality to have you back on. The main reason we've got you back on isn't because of how well you're playing for Newcastle, but the podcast we did with you, it could have been two or three years ago, was the most listened to podcast we've ever had. So <laughs> let's get him back on the show. As we start talking about rugby, one thing I want to ask you, your amazing beard, you're looking a bit Hagrid-esque. Full lockdown, full growth, it, it, that is deep, isn't it? Does that take a bit of conditioning as well? I don't, you know, I don't do a single thing to this. It is like wire wool at the minute, so I'm just a bit rogue with it. I said, I've always had a beard, but it's been growing out. And then I, obviously since we've been winning, I said I won't shave it until we lose. I know I wasn't playing last week, so I don't count that as a loss. Until <laughs> <laughs> I lose, personally, I won't shave it. Beard envy is all I'm saying. Absolutely love it. I've got shit beard, shit chin, and a shit lid. And horrific <laughs> breath as well, Jim. <laughs> Just talk to us, Gary, about how well things are going. Obviously, been in the shadows for the last year or whenever it was, it, relegation happened. But unbelievable start to the season, right? I don't think many people saw that coming. You might have seen that coming within the team. We were just chatting about the profile of your team, not littered with superstars, but tell us why the start of the season's kind of gone so well. I I don't really know why it has. I think it's maybe got something to do with, obviously we had like nine months pre-season, which is a good time to get everything nailed down and so everyone knows their, their roles and stuff like that. And I don't think it's weird because... Obviously, we had that relegation season, but the season before that, we went fourth. We were in the semi-finals. So you go from semi-finals to then in the championship, and then back up. And obviously, I don't know we're only six rounds in or seven rounds in, whatever it is. But we're up in second place. I don't know what what the difference is, but I think the boys all believe in themselves and and stuff like that. But yeah, we couldn't have started any better, to be honest. Just tell us a little bit about the the championship. What it's like. Obviously, I've got a lot of friends at Saracens who might play in the championship if it gets back up and running. But how tough is it playing down there? When things were normal, you were down there playing. There was obviously crowds, some long bus trips as well. When you were driving, were you flying? You know, What's it like down in the champ? It's fucking bleak, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, Honest. I started out here at Jersey, um, but like... Going from the Prem down into that, you're going in like Cornish Pirates for one, you're getting changed in a fucking two metre squared porter cabin in the wet wind and rain and you, the ground is a quagmire as it is. And stuck, uh, where's the, I didn't play at, um, I can't know what the team's called now, but basically you've got to do like a mile trek to get to the pitch. Amptill. Um, yeah, Amptill, yeah, exactly, yeah. I wasn't playing at that game, but um, like it's 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 horrible like that especially at times and playing against those teams that's the cup final for everyone like everyone's flying into it and you've got young lads now that are like want to take your head off 
uh, every opportunity, but Cyrus will get a, a shockwake if they ever do eventually just play in it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. One thing um, none of the Newcastle boys will thank you for saying on the interview about two seconds ago was you had a nine-month pre-season. That's why you're near the top of the table. No one enjoys a long pre-season. Well, I didn't anyway. But how hard was it actually, you know, you come in and you get rewarded for for training well by playing a game at the weekend, right? In season, that's what you look forward to. But how difficult was it in those nine months of not knowing whether you're going to be playing rugby, when it's going to come, when you're just training for training's sake? Because it must be really hard motivationally when you've got nothing to look forward to in terms of a game at the weekend, was it? Or are you someone that just lo- loves training? It was so crap because obviously like at the start of lockdown, we, we you obviously weren't allowed to go to gyms, you weren't allowed to go to clubs and stuff like that. So there was one day where the club opened up and let us steal a few weights of what we could. And then I'd just bought my house. I was re- renovating it. So it was a fucking shit tip. It was a building site. And when you're waking up in dust, trying to go out to the garden to do a bench press in some dog shit. It's, fucking, <laughs> it's, it's not very good motivation. Like, But luckily, there was a few of us that uh, kind of joined together and we started like a little running group. So we'd go down to Bladen, which is like a, a club down here. And we'd run there together. And then Seb to Chavez, he's away in America now. He would come to my house, which was my motivation to get up because he'd want to use my weights. So that was that was a motivation. But it was at times it was it was bleak. Like I would rather just sit in the house with a red wine than than doing some bench press on a bench in the fucking cold. Yeah, absolutely. You sound the kind of thing that Dino would want to do with a, gla- a glass of wine instead of weights. We all love Dino, right? Me and Goody speak hugely highly of the bloke. He was amazing at the start of my career. Um, I, ju- I just think he's a legend of a bloke. But h- how was he during the lockdown period? What, I mean, what was he chatting to you guys about, knowing that the season was going to restart at some point? You hear Leicester, you know, they're on Zoom calls constantly going on. What approach did Dino have? To be fair, there wasn't that much because I think, obviously, during furlough, you weren't allowed to be in contact with you. Like, well, as a you weren't employed, so you couldn't really be in touch with them and that sort of thing. So there was a few messages sent back and forth. We had a leadership meeting that would be within a Zoom meeting with the owners and with the owner and Dean and the coaches, and then they would relay that out to us. But there wasn't that much said to before. It was a bit of no man's land. No one really knew what we were doing for a good few months, especially when we were at the height of it all and people were not getting very much money and whatever else. He's smiling behind the mask now, though, isn't he? I mean, what... You know, what's he saying to the group is does he seem like he's surprised with how well that you've started or is it kind of part of his grand plan uh, I don't know I think I was speaking to him obviously in the pre-season I spoke to him a few times and then we had a good session and he's quite an easy bloke to talk to so you can talk a bit of shite to him and he's quite happy to play along with it um, and then I was saying about just talking shite, saying that we'd finish top four and whatever else. And then he was like, yeah, oh, definitely top six. Well, definitely top six. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think he obviously fully, fully bought into it. And I think we, we did as well at, at the time. And it's obviously paying now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, mate. You're playing exceptionally well as well yourself, um, averaging about 20 carries a game this season. Um, Mark Wilson's back at the club as well. That must be great to be uh, have a back row colleague like him, uh, as I've known, playing with him up there. He's he's a salt of the earth guy. Works exceptionally hard. Are you two bouncing off each other a lot? And you know, is there a bit of competition there uh, in training as well? Because I know he likes to train hard. Oh yeah, definitely. Man, he's a, he's a freaky. Like he's pretty much translucent. He's got that low skin folds, man. <laughs> but he's he's an unbelievable player to play with. Like he him coming back is massive for us because he's our leader. Like he's obviously. Doesn't do that much talk. Well, he does do a bit of talking, but he leads through through what he does on the pitch. And 
everything he does in training, like he's a he's a hundred percent all the time. Like, and it, it does drive the best out of the rest of us, especially me. And um, so it's good to be back playing with him. Normally, well, in the past when we played together, he would be at eight and I'd be at six or seven. But it's switched around now, and it's it's going well. Like. And just one of the other things I was going to ask on on that, you, you talk about back row, uh, IP and knowledge. Uh, Nick Easter's come up there and, and taken over the defensive role um, and seems to be doing a, a pretty good job. How, have you picked his brains quite a lot? Is he uh, still as old and grumpy as he used to be as a player when I played with him? Uh, I don't know what he was like in the past, but he seems to be pretty pretty upbeat at the minute. I don't know if that's because we're winning and we're, we're not conceding that many points that could swiftly change. But no, I think he's... I, our defensive system now is working really well. We're not conceding that many points. And I think that it, it is down to him. And he, he does drive quite a high standards. I thought it was going to be because Wellesley's quite fucking rip your fingers off the ball kind of guy. And I thought um, Minty was going to be different, but he likes a bit of contact in the sessions as well. So it just keeps you on your edge, I suppose. I've heard that. Now, it's one of those things you learn as a, I think you learn as a coach is, you know, you learn about training and what you didn't like doing yourself. But then some coaches go into it and, and do the opposite. So they make boys like yourself do more of what they hated. Nick Easter never did contact in training ever, yet he's turned to a coach that loves it now. What an absolute hypocrite. Well, I think that's, we were talking about that today, but I think if you turn into a coach, you'd just be like, fuck it, man, I'm just going to fucking run the boys ragged here. Like, right, full contact, 45 minutes, go. Just because you don't have to do it anymore. Like a power trip, I think I'd probably do it. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, pigs from the halfway line. We're not stopping till you get to try line. <laughs> that's a Wellesley special, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, that's peel the fingers off in the middle of them all. The game's changing, fellas. The game's changing. Right. T- tell me this as well. So, last time we had you on, um, I'm trying to think what we spoke about, but I know we spoke about your allegiances with Scotland or England. We had a little bit of a laugh about that. Tell me what the hell has happened. One minute, your flavour of the month. And I'm asking this because one of Dino's comments saying Scotland would be mad not to look at you. Secondly, being quite close to the Scotland team, watching all their games. Matt Ferguson's obviously doing really well. But there's no one really else that brings that kind of carrying ability. Goody mentioned 20 carries a game that you're averaging. Are you close to the squad again? Have you spoke to Gregor? Like, I mean, what's happened? Uh, I don't know. What I don't know. I don't know. I spoke to them. I spoke to the defence coach uh, a month ago, but that was just like a "Hi, how you doing?" kind of thing, um, and and that's that's about it to be honest. But I'm just playing some rugby, man. I'm, I've only played eight. Obviously, I played a, a, just to the back end of the season last year in the championship. So I don't know, man. I'm just just playing some rugby and see where it'll take us. But you're definitely Scottish again. Well, it depends who offers the most money, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. We've seen that uh, European rugby has been postponed for the next couple of weeks. Uh, different clubs are doing different things. I-, I heard Rob Baxter talking about he was getting his boys in to train them hard because they've lost the last couple of weeks. In the same vein, you beat Gloucester. You you went top of the table for a short period of time. Has Dino given you two weeks off or is it in training? Is the uh, a trip to Dubai like Celtic have planned as well? Is, is there anything like that going down? Nah, I wish, um, but now nah, we're still we're still in training. I think we're actually just going to be. We've got a session called Down the Mines, which obviously sounds just as good as it. Brutal. Yeah, yeah it's pretty down good. Down the so, Mines. Down the Mines, yeah, which is obviously a class. Hey, can you give us some detail on that? What does that look like? Down the Mines. It's just a load of shit exercises rolled up into one. <laughs> you just got to compete to beat the next guy with you. So um, it's just a horrible fitness session. So we've got a few of them this week. I'm sure we'll have a few next week, but um, we're not getting any break. 
I don't think we really can, to be honest. We've got a, we only had we had obviously played Gloucester, but then and Bristol, but we had a game off against Leicester. I think it's good to get a bit of momentum and keep keep training. The other thing I'm going to ask you, one of the fitness coaches, Tim Payne, is he running that down the mind session? Because another bloke Tim Payne with, is not the never fitness did, coach. He is. He's one of them. Yeah, he never did any fitness how? in his life. How is he the fitness coach? <laughs> it's like me being a nutritionist now. <laughs> I heard he was really fit. Has he not got some like uh, genetic mutation in his body that makes him super fit? Is that what he told you? That's what he told you, hasn't he? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that. I'm pretty sure that's true. Too many white blood cells or red blood cells are one of the two. That yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. of course. Yeah. Painer looked horrific, but he had an engine on him, to be fair. So uh, how he's how he looked that bad and is now a fitness coach gives gives us all hope, basically. It's brilliant, gives us all fair hope. play. Before you go, Gary, how's your old man? What's he thinking of the lay of the land of rugby at the minute? Because your dad is a guy that's close to my heart as well. He was forwards coach when I got cat for Scotland. He's from the old school mould. Now, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on in the game at the minute, but, you know, your dad's at home. He's, co- he's back coaching again, is he now? No, no, he's just he just retired, so he, um, he's not doing anything. He's actually just had a knee operation, so you'll have to send him a well-wish. But, yeah, uh, no, I will do. Yeah, what's he thinking of the lay of the land then now, having been a, been a professional coach, you know, played when rugby was rugby back in the day, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the game now? I don't think, I don't think he really enjoys the game anymore. He thinks it's too soft, like... <laughs> he, you know what he's like obviously he's a bit of a, a tough nut arm he's just everything's a bit too soft for him now he still love, he still rings me up every Sunday and tells me how shite I've played so <laughs> a good man to have in your corner what does he want from you so, so your, your dad's there on the corner he ain't looking for footwork and offload is he he's looking for you to monster people and run over them right yeah he just wants to be nasty eh? it, whatever I do it's always he always picks me up on what I've done wrong rather than what I've done good. So it's it's a learning thing. But he, even if I tackle someone hard, he's like, are you, are you pulling out of that? Have you got a sore neck? And I'm flinging everything into it. So <laughs> good for confidence. But Yeah, nothing like your dad talking you down when you played exceptionally well. Um, last thing I'll ask you, then, uh, people talk about post-career and all that. I know you're bang in the middle of it now. You're going pretty well. But I'm, I'm hearing that you're training to be a barber, you and your brother. Um, a barber. You look you like a barber. barber. You are a barber. Yeah. There we go. Anything you can do for Jim's lid? Because he was going a bit... Just put your head down, Jim. You're just no, going a bit... mate, son's has taken off, mate. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's grown back. <laughs> and uh, and why haven't, you saw, why haven't you sorted out Tom Penny's mullet as well? Because it's horrific. Well, you say that, but... I was the one that gave him that mullet. Oh shit! Oh. No, it's a great, it's a great mullet. It looks great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's quite good. Like it's it's just a good thing to get into, isn't it? Like obviously, we were doing nothing at the time last year, um, and the RPA quite good. They were like, I sent out a lot of courses. And I jumped on it and thought, because I'm an electrician as well, so adding just strings to the bow, you know. Mate, brilliant. Have you have you got a name for it or not? Not that you need one, but you kind of need one. Something cool like Gary's Barber or something like that. It's just Gigi's Barbers. Oh, I love it. Do you yes, love it? Sure. There's a bit of alliteration there with the Gigi. Oh no, hang on. Yes, that's your name. Sure. That's your name, of course. <laughs> All right, Gary. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's great to see you back in the Premiership. Best of luck for the rest of the season and uh, with the Barbers. Always. Oh, thank you very much, lads. Cheers, Gary. Cheers, mate. Give Dino our best, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Good bloke. Good bloke. Hell of a bird. Yeah, hard as fuck. Hell of a bit. He's re- he sounds really posh. <laughs> Salt of the earth kind of guy, kind of family. Love the Grahams. Yeah, hell of a beard on him, and he's playing exceptionally well. I, I can't understand why 
Scotland wouldn't have him in the team every day of the week. Like you follow the Scots, you watch them all week in, week out. I know Hamish Watson is awesome and you know, all that stuff, but he's got to be in the mix, surely. He's on fire. He's powerful. He's smashing boys. He's carrying big. He's a nutter. I mean, I've I've said from my non-expert expert view that Scotland are lacking a powerful ball carrier. It's just something we've never really had. Like we've not got a Vunapola or a CJ Stander or the whole of the French back row. We've just not really got that. Matt Fagerson, who's Zander's brother, he's rocking up. Scott Cummins rocks up as well in the carry. Hamish Watson obviously carries as well. But we need someone who can goo and goo and goo and goo and goo again. So he must be in the mix now. He must be. It's yeah, the fact that so. you know he's been in the champ, hasn't he? So maybe he's not been looked at for that reason. But um, yeah, I, I think that he's the perfect mould for a Scotland number eight, or at least competing with with Matt for it. Yeah, you saw my true colours as well, then, didn't you? Which bit? Well, I absolutely shit myself when I said Tom Penny's mullet was horrific, and then he said he did it. I was like, mate, it's an amazing mullet. It's the best mullet <laughs> I've ever seen. Just the backtrack because he's hard. Yeah, this comes back. This comes back to the manscape thing with the over eighties. They ain't interested. Maybe it's me and you. When it comes to these shit lids, I mean, we can hardly talk, right? But. <laughs> Maybe it's us. Maybe maybe we need to revisit what we're thinking and what we're doing about these lads with these unbelievable Gary Graham cut lids. Well, you talk about mullets, and I mentioned it last week. Uh, Will Stewart's cut is. He's not playing very well anymore. So uh, maybe the power is in the mullet. Keep the mullet, boys. Grow the mullets. One million percent. No word of a lie. I saw him getting hosed by Genji in the scrum. And he, <laughs> he looked up and I, I genuinely thought, I thought, is that Sam Smith that's bent in half? No, it's not. It's Will Stewart. I was like, you need to get the mullet back. But you're right. Maybe it is a thing. Who knows? Wexter have lost their second game in a row since uh, Rob Baxter and Joe Simmons were both given MBAs. What's going on? Blame the Queen. Mate, why are you being horrible? Why are you being horrible about that? It's just a fact. <laughs> is, it, is it the Queen that gives you or offers you an MBE? I don't reckon she sits there and writes a list around who gets them completely. I think there's a, <laughs> I, th- I think there'll be a committee. I don't reckon... Well, I know she picked out Joe Simmons because Eddie Jones won't pick him, but uh, maybe Eddie Jones is right. But no, listen, um, Exeter, uh, you can't go through what they've been through last year, winning everything and winning game after game, doing the double and not expect a little bump in the road at some point. Because every team, look at the two teams they played over the last two weeks. They played Wasps away last weekend at the Rico. They beat Wasps in the final. There's a bit of extra hurt there from Wasps. Wasps talked about shocking them, being more physical than them. Then they're playing Bristol, who ironically beat them at home last year uh, in the Premiership as well. Um, And Bristol fronted up, fully barred up team, threw a few curveballs in there for them, the, the driving line out, the front off the shift that they wouldn't have seen. And, you know, sometimes, as Rob Baxter says, you just have to get back to what you know best, graft at training. And emotionally, he said they're um, off the ball a little bit at the minute. So that Exeter team littered with with class. They're missing a couple of boys. You know, it's no bad thing for them to lose a couple to make them kind of regenerate themselves at training. Imagine how brutal training is at Exeter this week after getting physically dominated by Bristol's and Wasp the week before. Well, you maybe the COVID thing within the teams is a massive thing in terms of the effect, one, that it has on your system. Yeah. Obviously, the organisation that goes around and the training weeks that they can have. But I think more what it takes out of you as an athlete 
and you know, I, I don't know what the numbers were at Exeter. We heard they were littered with with COVID, and they haven't quite been the same, have they? But it's yeah, this is this is why this season's it's not a write off. Is it a write off? No, James. I don't know. It's no, it's not a write off. Why am I being so negative? <laughs> it's not a write. It's just going to no. throw up anomalies, isn't it? This year is going to throw up anomalies now. Bristol beat Exeter last year at home in the Premiership and then Exeter go on a ridiculous run and win the double. Things can happen. You can lose games along the way. And actually, I I liked some quote I heard this week and it it actually came out of the Bristol camp. um, And it was, you don't lose, you just learn. Oh my. No, who said it? Someone said it actually, who I quite respect, but... You win or you learn or you win or you grow or something like that. No, you learn. No, you you don't... Oh, it was uh, the 10, was it? Was it Sheedy or Randall? It was Harry Randall said that, and I was like, oh my. <laughs> Again, maybe that's just the negativity in me at the minute. Well, I don't know. That's the difference. You're a, a, an individual now out there in the working world. They're a team that believes in um, you know, the, the messages that Pat Lamb's put into them, and it's working because, let's be honest, you look at that squad, Harry Randall would not be a name that you, when you list all the players in that Bristol squad, the likes of Luatua, Piatau, Randrandra, um, you know, Nathan Hughes, Carl Sinclair, John Carl Fett, Sinclair, like big, Carl Sinclair, Carl Sinclair. Yeah, you fucking, the, fucking Are you fucking serious? <laughs> fucking um, hell. <laughs> fucking hell, mate. <laughs> um, you look at, and Harry Randall wouldn't be up there with the top, top names. But when you look at the performances and what Harry Randall is producing for... Uh, Bristol and Pat Lamb, he's about three stone wet through, but he punches like he's a 17, 18 stone big back rower uh, in terms of his tackle, his work rate, everything he does. So in their environment, it's working and you've got to credit Bristol for how good they are in the here and now. He's the next England nine years, I think, as in long, think- long term. We've well, got Dan Robson, definitely is is going to be there now. I rate Ben Spencer massively, but yeah. for some reason, he, he must have done something after the final with the World Cup. I don't know what he did. All he did was sing the anthem and then went home and that was it. And he's not been seen since really, but maybe the way that Bristol play might suit what Eddie Jones wants in a nine, but arguably you've got Youngsy who doesn't really do that anymore. I don't know. Who knows? But I think, I think off the back of it, people are talking about extra losing two on the spin. Let's just tip the absolute slipper to Bristol um, for how they perform. They've, they set themselves a challenge of going down there and, and being physical, out muscling, uh, this extra team, we don't know the impact, the full impact of what has happened down extra with with the COVID. As Jim said, the knock on effect physically, but that's all about Bristol being quality, physical, um, and then you've got the spark when you need someone to score a try. Randra steps up towards right, the right. end to to win it. So yeah, yeah it, Bristol were brilliant, but don't worry, extra will be back. Well, if you don't lose, you learn. Um, it must have been back to school for Quinns. Oh, oh mate, what do you mean I, they absolutely choked again, Jim? What you what do you mean by that? They, the reason why they choked, the bench, mate, London Irish, they had the joint age on the bench of the non-manscapers of over 80. They came <laughs> on and did very well. They had a hell of a lot of caps on the bench, didn't they? But, uh, yeah. It's a, you know, Irish look all right as well this year, to be fair. Yeah. But from a Quinn's point of view, who knows? There's just something not right at Quinn's, is there? I don't know what it is. And I'm not saying that because... Who I'm, are you blaming? Rob Shaw, <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you're not if you're not blaming Rob Shaw, who else are you blaming? Danny Care because he's too bothered about the media. Um, and, and who else? Chris Ashton, without doubt. <laughs> and then the last one, 
Well, he's the main cause for it. It's the guy who made the chop tackle, and that's all they're talking about now because they drew. Is is Joe the podcasting, ball grabbing, apologising book author and media mogul, but plays rugby as well? It was Joe Marler? Yeah. Well. It just let's just blame it on Joe. But something <laughs> ain't right at Quinns. I, I don't. I don't know what it is because they've got a good team. It is a discipline issue, though, isn't it? I think, and it's been ongoing now for a long time. Um, I just, mate, it's, it's bizarre. You know, they, they get themselves ahead in games and they they lose it. Um, you know, Guzzi must be tearing those strands. Like he's had a hair transplant, Guzzi. You can't tell because he's pulled them all out from coaching Harlequins for a couple of years. But yeah, it must be very frustrating for him as a coach. And again. Imagine you've got two weeks. There's nothing worse, I reckon, as a player, seeing a window of opportunity for a coach to train the life out of you as a team because there's no game at the weekend. And the training at Quinn's, I reckon, is going to be so brutal over these next two weeks with no game. Should we have a look at the rumour mill? Anything oh. floating around? Well, the biggest one of the week, if you're a Mancunian, is... And I'm gutted. I'm, if this happens and materialises, which it looks like it is, Alex Anderson from Saracens to sale. Huge for sale. Alex Anderson, for me, is the biggest loss, I, I think, at Saracens, bar an Owen Farrell or a Mario Toji, just because of what he brings to the environment. Hands down, one of the most engaging coaches I've ever worked with and for so so positive and just refocusing a team now I know it was easy to do when you're winning but huge if Sale get him I, th- I think it's massive for them but from yeah. a Saracen perspective I'm gutted yeah I, and you've got to really talk about if it does happen from a Sale perspective there's 500,000 reasons why Alex Anderson is going to Sale Sharks but you look at that Sale Shark squad and you put someone like Alex Anderson in charge who's got empathy, thinks outside the box, a brilliant motivator. Um, you know, the impact, uh, just as an out-and-out forwards coach, you know, I haven't heard anyone ever have a bad word to say about Alex Anderson. The detail that he brings as well. He could transform Sale into a year-on-year top premiership team, couldn't he? We've had Simon Orange come on here um, who was, you know, very upfront and honest with us. A really good guy, who I know has put his heart and soul into the club. And, you know, Alex Anderson, a Manchester lad, taking over at Sale, obviously well remunerated for it, and rightly so, um, has the potential, with the backing of someone like Simon Orange, who um, has, has invested a lot in the club already, to really transform that club into, you know, something long-term, which is at the top of the game. Um, they're talking about the new stadium as well, which will have a big impact. And it's a massively exciting time to be a Sale Sharks fan, I think. Will Pete Anglesey... Still be there because he was there to walk Diamond's dogs. Yeah, he was. I think. I think he'll. Has Alex Anderson got any dogs? I don't think he has. No. I thought he had a little French bull terrier or something that he a little lap dog or whatever. Oh, I don't might, know. I, Basically, I, I, mate, Angie could end up cleaning the cars in the car park. He's, he's got a job for life. He's got <laughs> he a has, job mate. for life at sale. He's a sale legend. He is. Any other rumors floating around? Uh, I I heard a a rumor that I, I, I'm not sure about, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I heard Israel Falau to Toulon. And everything that he brings baggage-wise with um, his homophobia, which isn't on. Can you see that? I'm hearing Toulon are starting to spend a load of cash again. Well, Bougelau came out and said that he wouldn't sign him if he was there. But, mate, who knows? French, isn't it? It's Yeah, he's gone now, Bougelau, so maybe new owner. Do not sign Israel Folau. In terms of marketing your club and everything that goes with that, 
unless he comes out and apologises and whatever, I doubt he will. Who knows, mate? Again, just more drama, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, I'm with you. I hope he don't. I hope they don't sign him. Marotoji to Toulouse. <laughs> Again, you keep pushing this one, Jim. You want to? You want a commission for that or not? I genuinely saw that somewhere. Did I say Marotoji to Leicester before? Did I? Oh, mate, you're saying that he said he was seen in Market Harborough. And it was on the front page of the Leicester Mercury. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who knows? Um, we mentioned uh, Zach Mercer as well to Montpellier. That must be a done deal, but who knows? Right, it's a new year, but uh, you're still going to give us a, a riddle in our lives every now and then, aren't you, Jim? Well, I need one. I don't know whether the millions need it, um, but I definitely need one just to spike up the adrenaline and just to say that word that we have all so missed. Lads. Riddle me this. Carol, thank you for the message on New Year. Riddle me that, Carol. <laughs> it's that time again. We're back. It's Bilbao. Oh, we've missed that. That's that so was good, all in Jim. one breath. I, that genuinely, is so good. You can't see inside my lungs. A doctor once said to me, he is never seen lung capacity like it of course of course he did of course he did and that just delivered there's not many people that could hold a peel peel back maybe when the live shows start back again we will see if anyone can hold a peel back for as long as me i don't mean properly i mean say it in a lake there's a patch of lily pads every day the patch doubles in size if it takes 48 days for the patch to cover the entire lake how long would it take for the patch to cover half the lake so in a lake, there's a patch of lily pads. So I'm going to draw a lake. Every day the patch doubles in size. It's really easy. If it this takes one, 48 Jim. days for the patch to cover the entire lake. How long would it take for the patch to cover half the lake? Yeah, I heard it first time. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> you, 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 I'm going to try and break it down. Break it down. So in a lake, there's a patch of lily pads. How many lily pads are in a patch? Do we know? Does that matter? No, it doesn't really matter. We'll just say one. Every day, the patch doubles inside. It takes 48 days for the patch to cover the entire lake. Right, so how long would it take for the patch to cover half the lake? Well, I can't believe you're trying to work this out. It's, it's so 20, easy. 20, to... 24. It's half. <laughs> no. So if they're in a lake, there are a, a patch of lily pads. Lovely. But it looks lovely. Every day, the patch doubles in size. Yes. So one to two, to, ah, one to two, two to four. Yeah. Fucking hell. Let me, right, one, two. I, well, I'm still going to struggle to work it out. It's not hard, mate. They okay. double in size every day. So the day, is, you just spelt it out there, one to two. So yeah, it's one to two, it, two to it, four, four to eight. It's doubling okay, every day. Okay, so let, let me go. So one to two, two to four, <laughs> four to six, six to eight, 12. <laughs> It doubles every day, right? Yeah, I know. So, I'm trying to work it out. Yeah, okay. So let me do it. So if it doubles, if it doubles, just listen a minute. If it doubles every day, yeah, and on the 48th day, the lake is full. Yeah. How many days does it take for the lake to be half full? Well, that's what I'm about to work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm counting. Every day, the lake doubles. Every day. Oh, uh, half a day. Half a day. (laughs) (laughs) In a lake, there's a patch of lily pads. Every day, the patch doubles in size, right? So every day, more and more lily pads appear. If it takes 48 days for the patch to cover the entire lake, 
So 48 days to cover. How long would it take for the patch to cover half the lake? Have you got a pen well, and paper? Yeah, I've got a pen and paper. Yeah, I'm trying okay, to what you, what draw, you, what a you draw, draw, draw a lake. Yeah. And the lake is covered in lily pads on day yeah. 48. Oh, I was doing 48 lily pads in the lake. <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's the problem. You haven't listened to the okay. details straight away. Okay, so it's all details, right? Yeah, so there's... If you work backwards, what would happen, Jim? Well, there'd be 48... The, the, the lily pads would be full in the lake in 48 days. Right, so uh, can you work backwards from there? The yeah. day before that. The day before that? Well, I don't know I don't know how many were in there, so... If it doubles every day, the day before that... So it's one. One what? One day. For what? What do you mean, for what? <laughs> the question is, how many days would it take to fill half? 47. Hey! Hey! Oh, there we go. That's it's too easy, that. That was too easy. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. When we broke it down, when we break it down, like it just, it's just needs clear thinking. It's about teamwork. And that's where I'm struggling with this because I've got no one to bounce off like, you know, like, the, the, the energy and the kind of finer details. What about the bearded dragon? He must have been better than you at that. He probably was, mate. But, <laughs> we, mate, we'll ask him. You will literally, when he is at the end of life, be nearly 60. Is that not crazy? <laughs> yes. Is that not crazy to think? <laughs> yes, James. But what is even crazier is that I've just solved that, lads. You've just sent me the riddle. Riddle me this. Riddle me that, Carol. Thanks for the message on New Year's Day. Jim just solved it. Lads and ladies. How good was how good? How good? That's what you've been doing in lockdown, isn't it? We've got time on our hands, practicing your peel back. So whether or not we're practicing it or you've, you're listening to it, we have got time on our hands. Right, well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sons are with us as usual, but they've got a new slogan for you, Jim. It's the new old me. You get it? It's the new... Is this a riddle or not? <laughs> it's just their slogan, Jim. It's not a riddle. Okay, fine. It's the new old me. Yeah, I'm going to... I'll come back to you on that. I'll let me have a think about it over the next few days. Sons is a men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering free online consultations with GPs providing a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and delivering via a monthly or three-monthly subscription direct to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men and you can take the consultation in less than 2 minutes and it's reasonably priced with no contract or hidden charges. So say hello to the new old you. Just visit sons.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S uk, and the code is RUGBYPOD20. Yeah, plenty of good as ever in the world of rugby and we're going to start off in the Guinness Pro 14 gym. Where are we going? Let me have a think. Are we going to get... Oh, I was going to say Ulster, but they lost to Leinster. Well, there Are you we, go. You're going to Leinster? We'll put Leinster back in the good this week because they didn't feature last week because they lost, but they have stopped Ulster's unbeaten run to the start of the Guinness Pro 14 season. Uh, so an outstanding performance by them. And the real good news or good news about it, Jordan Lama, back fit and playing well. How good to see him back. 
Yeah, that's massive for Ireland as well in the Six Nations. Uh, but we'll stick in the Guinness Pro 14 because my old boss, a guy that is bigger than a house, is back. Die Young. He's back at the Cardiff Blues, back in the game, back in the business. Great to see the big fella back as short-term director of rugby at Cardiff Blues, and hopefully that leads to a longer-term deal as well. You happy to see him back, Jim? I am. Yeah, he's a good bloke, Di is. Um, What else was good? We'll nip over to France. And you know I like to mention some of my old clubs in the good all the time. We're going to go with breath. Uh, breathe, sorry, Jim. Breathe, what's, breathe. What's happened? They were 19-0 down at home to Montpellier at half-time. Came back, a massive second half, end up beating Montpellier 23-22 with a converted try with the last play of the game. So they took 50 last week at Stade Francais, so they got a mention in the bad. Uh, They're back up in the goo this week, but how bad at Montpellier? Might come to that in a bit. Um, What else was good? Toulouse absolutely spanked Stade Francais 48-24 with some absolutely ridiculous rugby. Uh, DuPont was class again. Followed him on Twitter. He's not following me back yet, but I might have following them following again, so he, he might see it. <laughs> Do you understand what he's saying, though, Jim? On, of course, on Twitter? Well, you, there's a translate thing now. Uh, so, yeah. Of course, of course. Uh, anyway, quality bit of skill from him, running at full pace, bouncing ball, taps it on uh, to his teammate who scores a try out from 50. Uh, so, uh, ahead of performance by them. They look really slick. Zach Holmes was quality at 10 as well. Um, what else was good? We'll come back to the Premiership and we'll go down to the Bristol Bears. The Bearbacks, the Grizzlies, whatever you want to call them, they are top of the Premiership. Uh, they get a mention in the goo for beating Exeter Chiefs 20 points to seven down at Sandy Park. That's two years on the spin. They've won down there. So uh, Pat Lamb is working wonders. We'll stick in the Premiership and we'll go to nearly one of my old clubs and nearly one of your old clubs, Jim. London Irish. Yes, yeah. We Well, I signed from, didn't play. You signed from and refused to even go um, <laughs> um ollie hoskins played his 100th game for them at the weekend uh had a hell of a game to be played fair well, yeah uh deservedly got man the match and a try so tip of the slipper to him um and sticking in the premiership uh we're gonna go to another of my old clubs the mighty wasps jim mighty I wasps thought, i thought we were gonna say leicester because they no, got no, the points. No. no yeah they got they got the points from a cancelled game against the saints but uh we're going to go to wasps uh beating bath in a 96 point thriller down at the wreck on friday night uh fourth highest scoring premiership game in its history so and uh, so you're specifically giving that to wasps or are you giving it to the game no wasps yeah specifically uh, yeah, wasps, of course of course you are <laughs> um and we're going to go to another old club of mine. It's just the old club scenario, Jim. Well, it's the Andy Good segment, so exactly the Good this week goes to an old club of mine, uh, a collective group of men that not only cleared the snow off the field, worked ridiculously hard to clear that, get the game on across the club, people from all over the place coming to help out. Uh, but the Newcastle Falcons, they cleared the snow and they dominated Gloucester and they sat top of the league for a couple of moments before Bristol went down to beat Exeter Chiefs a bit later in the day. Uh, they're looking good. We spoke to Gary Graham earlier. He's on fire as well. So all things good up at Newcastle Falcons. Lovely. Then the bad. Where do we go with the bad? Well, we'll start with Jim's favourite place. China. Not China, Jim. Uh, Harlequins. Oh, okay, um, sorry. Yeah. We, we'll put them in the bad. They were 12 points up with about 10 minutes to go uh, and choked again. Their discipline was poor, so uh, they get a mention. Uh, what else was bad? Harry Williams. Did you see his attempted kick? Awful. Awful. Yeah, horrific. Props should never kick the ball, even though I've got the body shape of a prop. Uh, What else was bad? Gloucester uh, losing up at Newcastle. Here's a stat for you, Jim. They've now lost 16 out of their last 17 away games. That's such a Gloucester thing. 
How about that? Such a Gloucester and such a Scotland thing. They're the two, <laughs> I know. Who'd you blame at Gloucester for that? Just blame Sips. <laughs> there you go. So uh, not great from Gloucester, bottom of the Premiership. And finally, the bad this week has to go to, we'll basically stick it to the whole of France. It came out last week towards the back end of last week that European games could be cancelled or postponed this weekend because of the French government not wanting the French teams to travel. Um, that was all fine. The league said to European rugby, we need direction from the government to tell us we can't do it. The government said we're putting it in the hands of the French clubs, that no one wants to make a decision. Eventually, come Monday afternoon at about four o'clock when there were supposed to be games that week on the Friday, uh, they basically said they're not going to play them. So uh, the games have been postponed, cancelled, call it what you will. But basically, it's the French just saying, no, 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 I don't know. You Do you know? I No, 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 no. You no, 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 no. No one, no, no, no. T-bag. Meanwhile, Sean Edwards is like, let's fucking make sure Six Nations is on so we can fucking smash them. Um, so the bad this week goes to the indecision of the French people that make decisions in their government and the LNR and everything that goes with it, which meant that all the other clubs around Europe didn't have a fucking scooby what was going on till about five o'clock on Monday afternoon and couldn't plan. And in this pandemic, just make a decision, France. Are you not going to throw Are you not going to throw Prem Rugby into there as well for not rescheduling the games? I'm just asking no, the question. No. It's your segment. Okay. No, no, because okay. you don't know, unless you got full buy-in from everyone and Prem Rugby haven't said who didn't want to do it. It's only people coming out and saying they did want to play it. I don't think you can lob them in there. They've made a decision and we just got to abide by it. Okay, rules are rules, Michael Holford said. So the bad goes to France and people in France that don't want to play ruggers and don't want to make decisions. Um, The ugly, well, fair bit of ugly this weekend, as we've seen, and it's all based around referees and dissent against referees. We're going to start off in France, and as people saw, it's been... The circle of life, the circle of life. (laughs) Exactly, all over Twitter. Josiah Rezouk from Bézier decided... And you watch the clip, I put it on my Twitter, of course I did, got loads of followers, loads of views, loads of likes, Um, decided in celebration to lift the referee up, uh, who was named Laurent Milot, and just hold him up like he was a small child, or... That is how I hold my kids up, genuinely. is it, is it, It is or it isn't? When they go to the toilet, that's how I hold them up, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that wasn't good. It was a bit of a giggle, because people have... Have made it out to be a hilarious clip, and people uh, they have. That's the thing. That's the thing. People, I thought it was shockingly bad, yeah. and that's me saying that. Who yeah. loves a piss take? I watched it and thought, "What are you doing, mate?" Yeah. At As what in, point? It just, it just seemed arrogant, and that, when I saw it, I was like, "The arrogance of the bloke to do it, and the fact that they burst out laughing." But I don't know. It was quite. If you know, you may, if someone makes a, a gear out of it and does a circle of life and puts a head on, I'll, I'll, I'll laugh again. But when I initially saw it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but, you're, but you're giggling saying it as well. Oh, so. yeah. I was like, it was almost like a bit of shock, but there yeah. we go. Um, yeah. You can't touch a referee. You certainly can't lift him up, and especially with that technique, shocking technique. But yeah, uh, that was pretty poor. Uh, it was very poor, actually. Liam Williams then sent off for going headfirst into a rock and going head on head, looks at the referee after giving his red card. We're playing touch then, is there? I'm like, what are you thinking, Liam Williams? You're a British lion. You are a fantastic player. But just the descent. The descent. And do you know what I'll bring it back to, Jim? To hit me. Saracens, Billy Vunapola. I'm a grown-ass man. 
And he said that to Wayne Barnes. Do you remember oh, that one? Know. Yeah, I do remember it. That one, not because I like Billy, what isn't as bad as that. They're all bad. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm jesting a little bit, bringing it back to that one. But there's too much of it creeping in the game. And, and the worst one for me, and he's been cited for it. We're recording this Tuesday evening. The hearing is this evening. Uh, but Carl Sinclair screaming at ex-teammate and referee Carl Dixon. Are you fucking serious? Fucking hell, ref. <laughs> um, Luke Karandicki makes a tackle. Um, a low kind of torpedo-esque chop. chop, trying to get my arms involved tackle, um, which he got penalised for. And I'm still not sure whether it was a penalty. Jack Knowles come out on Twitter saying, I didn't realise you can now get penalised for tackling low. Um, as well so he's obviously backing his mate up anyway Carl Sinclair loses his head screams at him then the worst bit for me you've screamed as a reaction right and that's bad but then as a player and Jim you've been there many times heat of the moment you take your medicine you go over to the referee you say you're sorry hold your hands up he's still petulant his behaviour when Carl Dixon's talking to him and saying Carl Dixon, his ex-teammate, is pleading with him, saying, please don't shout at me like that. A referee needs to... Imagine if that was Wayne Barnes. He's off. Wayne Barnes sends him off, I reckon. Yeah, that, that's the hard thing. I do feel for Carl Dixon there, especially after last week's uh, game, that he, there was a few things missed in that Gloucester Sale game. And then you're refereeing and you know them. It's, it's, I don't know how close they are. That's the thing. But if I'm refereeing you, for example, and you know me... And it's just, yeah, like it's, it, it, it must be tough in that sense. But again, you just can't do it. And it is creeping more into the game. And I can hand on heart say, as much as a joker as I am or was, I never, ever spoke to referees like that, ever. And they, they yellow carded me and red, red carded me for sometimes nothing but never spoke to them like that. And that's one of the things with rugby that we've always had our point of difference, but there's a number of things, isn't there, that, that, that kind of need looking at. And if you were to put a number on the number of weeks, what do you reckon? I'm going to go three. Yeah, I think he'll just get... Um, it'll either be four reduced down to two or two reduced down to one. Oh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Because he'll he, if he's got half a brain, he'll plead guilty, um, which... Mitigate. He tweeted it. He tweeted it after. I thought he might have blocked me as well because you tweeted it, but he didn't block me. <laughs> but this is the thing, though. So people are like, oh, he said sorry. That's fine. That's not the point. The point of, yes, he said sorry. His behavior and his petulance when he's being spoken to by uh, Carl Dixon. And you see, he tries to walk off from him. And Stephen Luatua, as captain, just grabs him and moves him back in front of the referee. I think Stephen Luatua was embarrassed by the way he was. And he's still shaking his head as if he's some petulant teenager. So it's not the first time that Carl Sinclair has lost his head. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the uh, the hearing. Interestingly, though, Duncan Bell. Do you remember Duncan Bell, the prop from Bath, tight head prop? He was, a, he was a sighting officer. I'm like, where's that come from? Well, that's what I mean. The, the, we're hearing the sighting officers are ex, loads of ex-players. Will James, Mr. Grills, he's doing it. Leon Lloyd. Leon Lloyd was on the Owen Farrell one. Yeah. I don't think Sinclair looks happy at Bristol. You don't reckon? No, I don't know. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way he always comes across on the field, though. Yeah, um, no, he does, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, Pat, it, Pat Lamb would have definitely taken him into the office and saying, look, you know, um, that's not how we behave, I don't think. Um, he, he wants him on the edge. He wants him physical. But, you know, stuff like that. It, it's, it's not just the fact that he screams, are you fucking serious in the ref's 
you know, at the referee. It's more for me. The bigger thing is how he then behaves after that. Because you always, you're always going to see players in an emotional game when you're right on the edge. You're going to see some players have an outburst like that at some point. Not necessarily that language, but remonstrating with the referee, asking him for a decision. He's fucking holding on or something like that. Do you know what I mean? But then when the referee speaks to you and says you do not talk, just say sorry. Hold your hands up. The referee has to be, um, you know, the the sole person in charge and it can't be influenced. And, you know, respect and everything is is part of the bedrock of our game. So, um, you know, we can't have that being eroded away. And that goes back to my time playing against Quinns was, was the way that they used to speak on the field and do what they did. And maybe that's, you know, we obviously joke about it, but that was ingrained in that club, that kind of behaviour. It really was. So whether or not that's changed or not, so I don't know. I've not obviously played the game for a while. You don't see the little stuff off the board and stuff. But as a club, that was ingrained in Quinns, especially when we played them for Saracens. There you go. So the ugly this week goes to dissent against referees, mainly from Carl Sinclair, Liam Williams, and Josea Rezouk. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you, Jim? Yeah, big shout-out to... Two brothers, Ross Elwood and Rory Elwood and Daniel Meggy. Mega Hay. Mega Hay, who were due to take part in this year's New York Marathon. Uh, it was obviously cancelled because of the pandemic, but they ran a marathon themselves locally in the unbelievable place of Galway. Anyway, it's to raise money for charity, of course. Daniel was diagnosed with a brain tumour back in April, and they did the marathon in typical Galway sideways rain and strong wind. So a massive shout out to them for raising money for the Brain Tumor Foundation. And you can check out Daniel's page on charity.gofundme.com. If you want to help them out with donations or generating some more awareness, that would be fantastic. So big shout out to you three. Phenomenal. Yeah, hell of an effort. Before we go, Jim, do you want to uh, let us know how you're getting on with your dotty aid? Very well. How's the exercise going, mate? Well, you can see I look absolutely amazing, so clearly very good. But we have raised over £500,000 collectively. I don't know how many miles, let's just say 500 miles, get it, because it's Scottish. Um, more more and more people are joining up. So if you haven't joined up, join up, doddyaid.com. Track your miles and raise some money if you'd like to, but donate £20 to doddyaid.com. You'll get a lovely Scottish exiles snood, snood, and you will be contributing to an unbelievable man trying to find an unbelievable cure for an unbelievable difficult disease my miles unfortunately are going to stop with my ankle operation on friday but I'm, i'll be doing the podcast next week from bad boys on a lot of painkillers so uh, look forward to it thanks goody thanks jim thanks producer tim and thank you very much for listening don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on leave us a review and check us out on youtube as well rugby pod voice of an angel pod 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 (laughs) 